welcome to your weekly John, Spring Hill, Florida, an additional reward has been offered for the information leading to an arrest in the unsolved killing of a Pasco County Motorcycle Club member. On January 16th, James William Earl was found shot to death in his Spring Hill driveway. He was a member of the Pagans Motorcycle Club. The motive or if the shooting was related to his membership in the club, is unknown. Crime Stoppers of Tampa Bay was offering a $3,000 reward for information leading to the arrest. Now the Florida Sheriff's Association has added $5,000 to the total. If you have any information that can help solve the crime, call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-873-TIPS. Report anonymously online or send a mobile tip using the P3 Tips mobile application. Crime Stoppers must be contacted first in order to be eligible for the cash reward. NBC Chicago Joseph Elzen 67 is charged with a felony hate crime and a misdemeanor count of aggravated assault for the attack about 11.35 a.m. along Delaney Road in unincorporated Gurney, according to the Lake County Sheriff's Office spokesman, Sergeant Christopher Cavelli. The 57-year-old man was riding a motorcycle with a Mexican flag on it north on Delaney near Sunset Avenue when Gizens cut him off in a Hyundai, that said in a statement, as the motorcyclist was trying to get the Hyundai's license plate and description, Zenz pulled out on West Meyer Road and got out of the SUV. According to the sheriff's office, he started yelling anti-Mexican racial slurs, expletives, and the victim and told him to go back to his country. Zenz then got an ice pick from the Hyundai and began chasing the man with it while continuing to yell slurs. According to the sheriff's office, the man was able to get back onto his motorcycle and right away to avoid getting hit. He then called 911 to report the attack. Sheriff's deputy spoke to Zenz at his unincorporated gurney home and found an ice pick in the Hyundai. Govelli said... He was taken into custody and charged. Quote, hate has absolutely no place in Lake County, Sheriff John Eidelberg said in a statement. Being victimized because of the color of one's skin, ancestry, religion, sexual orientation, or any other protected classification is completely unacceptable. We will always be there to stand up for the victims of a crime. Zenz remains in custody at the Lake County Jail on $15,000 bond, and his next court date is set for August 28th, authorities said. This is not a Mexican flag, but a Puerto Rican one in the thing. By Nick Morgan, David Buddy McGrath of White City rattles off the hardware keeping them together in the same matter-of-fact way he describes the Volkswagen diesel engine powering his newest motorcycle. 36 bolts, 6 titanium pieces, 2 L-brackets, 4 hexagonal cap screws, and 4 accompanying bolts were needed to protect his spine a decade ago, he said. 
while pointing to a deep scar on his neck. A few moments later, he's showing off the unique brass throttle he fabricated. That's made the differential of a Suzuki Samurai, he said. McElleris' bike, a sinister-looking mix of painted metal and fresh welds, stood apart from the gleaming chrome and candy-colored paints that filled the rogue Regency Inn parking lot Saturday for the 23rd annual Thunderstick Extreme Bike Show and Street Party, a benefit for Boys and Girls Club of the Rogue Valley. It was one of nearly eight dozen choppers, hogs, and sports bikes on display in Medford. According to the fundraiser event organizer, builder Mark Daly of Thunderstruck Custom Bikes, not to mention the more than 60 show cars. The show has benefited charity organizations since its genesis in the late 1990s, Daly said. Remember how he started at the Moose Lodge? The past 18 shows have benefited Boys and Girls, Daly said. Estimating Saturday's raffle brought in an amount in the high 20s to low $30,000 range for the youth nonprofit. McElrath said he won the show three years ago with a different diesel powered bike he built, but it's the designing and building process that keeps him going more than trophies. Putting his new bike together made from a 1970s Harley-Davidson soft tail frame stuffed with a Volkswagen Audi four-cylinder engine and an air ride suspension took, quote, probably a hundred hours of thinking, end quote, before the building process. You just start engineering it, McElrath said. There's no gearbox on the bike, according to him and his friend. Colton Wisdom of Gold Hill. Instead, they connected the engine to a snowmobile clutch. If you rev it up, it's moving, Wisdom said. The end product gets about 75 miles per gallon, according to Wisdom. Together, they're also working on a 1927 Dodge Hot Rod with a 1950s Ford Flathead V8 that they're hoping will be ready for a show next month in Merlin. Well, we've just got projects for days, Wisdom said. It used to be a my part-time hobby, now it's my entire life, McCullough said. What changed was a wreck a decade ago, according to him. He worked as an automotive mechanic when his car was rear-ended by someone in a vehicle nearly twice his size at 50 miles an hour. He flatlined once, and the crash paralyzed him for a year and a half, he said. Quote, if I get my feet on the floor and get myself to the bathroom, and quote, McQuarrath said on this morning routine, I know it's going to be a good day. He's also able to walk as much as he does because of extensive physical therapy. The pain and lack of mobility very nearly drove him to take his life, he said. He remembered holding a handgun in his bedroom with tears streaming down both sides of his face. The thought of his then five-year-old grandson finding his body stopped him cold. I couldn't do it, he said, adding that he gave all his firearms to a social worker. He said he still struggles with chronic pain but steers clear of opiates. 
Instead, he advocates for medical marijuana to anyone who'll listen to him and says he has to keep moving. That's good thoughts right there. He said he's not the type to watch Oprah and eat Twinkies. <laughs> Rock and roll. It's my interest. I love doing it, he said. No one else does it like I do. Now that's a story right there. Okay, we got some events here that was sent in to us. The 6th Annual Burn Run, Saturday, September 28th at 2019, 2 p.m., 15 a person, 25 a couple. This is being put on by some firefighters, so you got to get out there and support them. Uh, you can go check them out on Facebook, the whole nine yards. All profits are going to benefit the camp. Ayatoma Chi Burns Children Camp again. This is in Clybourne, Texas. 76031 uh, is the zip code at 1315 South Main. Again, check them out. And then we got the Sons of Liberty MC, Tarrant and Parker County Ride and Bikers Rights Rally. It says help end motorcycle profiling. All clubs, please send a representatives. All independents participate. DFW North Texas Tarrant County Courthouse. And that is in Fort Worth, September 21st at 11 a.m. to 1230. They also got a 40-mile ride to Parker County Courthouse. Get a hold of Popeye Moss over at Texas Biker Radio for more information. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go. 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 And this is by Biker Dad, Ontario, Canada, WKRG. A Canadian police officer's powerful message about sharing the road is going viral. The video posted by Ontario Provisional Police on Facebook has been shared nearly 50,000 times. The officer is standing on a road holding a pen in his hand and he says road safety is a responsibility that is shared amongst all good drivers. He continues to hold up the pen while saying make sure to take the time to look around all obstacles in your view. You never know what they may be hiding. Just then he lowers the pen to reveal his been obstructed the view of a motorcycle the entire time just with the pen he also warns that use of cell phones is dangerous too it's powerful message about sharing the road and saving lives and it's one that clearly being seen by drivers not just motorcycle riders hmm let's see here by sabrina giancania 
Cruise control is a fairly new addition to the flock of technologies and assists trickling down from the automotive industry into the motorcycle one. It has become an increasingly widespread, especially on touring-orientated models. Brands such as KTM, Ducati, and even Bosch are even planning to add an adaptive element to their system in upcoming years. It looks like Harley-Davidson is also looking into an adaptive cruise control system, one that would detect more than one vehicle in the same lane. Lane share? Much. Just like the picture. <laughs> adaptive cruise control in cars is a pretty straightforward system. It adjusts the speed of the vehicle in order to maintain a certain distance with the vehicle located at the front. That distance varies from longer to shorter depending on the setting selected by the driver. On motorcycles, while cruise control alone is gaining in popularity, adaptive cruise control hasn't found a two-wheel application quite yet. I'm sure it will in the next couple of years. A number of companies are already working on it and Harley-Davidson seemingly just added its name to the list. A patent published on August 15th shows that the Milwaukee brand is developing a cruise control system that not only detects a vehicle ahead, but can also detect when there is more than one vehicle in the same lane, like in a group riding situation. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to affect that. According to the early concept, the system should be able to distinguish between a car and a motorcycle based on its position within the lane center left or right and even allow the rider to pick a vehicle to adapt the speed to the seam uh, the system will indicate on the display when it detects a vehicle in the lane for instance two motorcycles riding ahead it will then give the rider the option to lock onto one of them that's the vehicle the adaptive cruise control will interact with. What happened just the kickstarts? This system could easily be combined with the autonomous braking system the manufacturer patented last year to provide a well-rounded technology. While the other companies are seemingly working on developing a more straightforward adaptive feature, Harley-Davidson knows its demographic well and has taken things a step further. Harleys are often spotted riding in groups, so developing a technology that caters to that behavior makes perfect sense. Again, what happened? Just the kickstarts. Holy crap. <sighs> Despite fears of escalating bikey war, Outlaw Motorcycle Club's account for only a fraction of criminal activity that costs Australia up to $47 billion annually, a criminologist has said. The key points to look for is a tat-per-tat arson and shooting attacks that have rattled a local community. Biker or bikey contribution to estimated cost of crime is believed again to be marginal. Queensland bikies accounted for just 1% of the reported crime. Police have linked a hair salon fire 
to the firing of bullets at an Ascock Park house on Monday, a suspicious fire at the Marlston Gymnasium last Friday, and a suspected arson attack on a food van outside a mile-high uh, mile end home this morning. They suggest it is related to drug debt and potential power shifts within the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club. Police are also investigating whether the three shots fired at a property at West Lakes just after 7.30 this morning, actually, which is not believed to be a random attack, were also related to the feud. Nobody has been injured in any of the incidents. That's good. But despite the dangerous events, former police detective and Bond University criminology associate professor... Tony Goldsworthy said his study crunched the data on bikies over a six-year period in Queensland and showed they accounted for less than 1% of the state's reported crime. But they pass all these bikie laws and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we also found they accounted for less than 1% of organized crime offenses such as trafficking, murder, robberies, those type of offenses, he said. They conduct some very dangerous activities, and there's no denying that a percentage of bikies are quite dangerous and engage in very violent and high-level organized crime. But, he goes on to say, the majority are not in the category, and they're cellar dwellers when it comes to criminal activities. Ouch. Bikies are small players economically. Professor Goldworthy's report examined the legal and investigative ramifications of anti-bikie laws in Queensland, a version of which has been adopted in other jurisdictions like South Australia, which declared specific organizations to be criminal and imposed restrictions on consorting and wearing club colors publicly. According to an Australian Crime Commission report from 13 to 14, the cost of serious and organized crime to the Australian economy that year was $36 billion. It found that some 70% of criminal threats were based offshore or had strong offshore uh, links. Professor Goldsworthy found that while bikies were involved in the drug trade and crime, they were not dominant players and state governments were at risk of dropping the ball on other criminal entrepreneurs and freelancers by focusing disproportionately on bikies. We were seeing figures of 1 to 2 million being recovered by bikies in a 12-month period in Queensland, Professor Goldsworthy said. It's quite low. But of course, there's also the unknowns, the money that's not recaptured and forfeited to the crown. Aren't you guys glad we live in the United States, the crown? The Australian Institute of Criminally 
uh, criminology estimates the cost of serious organized crime reached somewhere between 23.8 and 47.4 billion during 2016. Wow. So basically what he is saying is bikies or bikers as we call them in, in the United States only make up 1% of the crime over there. But it's funny how they got all these draconian laws over there regarding bikers. Anyway, let's get to some events, some fun stuff. Angel City Rally and Music Fest. They're going to have live entertainment, a mechanical ball. Infamous biker gangs, wet t-shirt contest, car and bike show, uh, vendor ghost town, on-site RV and tent camping. Uh, that is November 6th through 10th in Unadilla, Georgia. Cherokee Blue Ridge Run, music and uh, motorcycle festival, live bands, bike shows, motorcycle stunt shows, rides, vendors, food, and a whole lot more they go on to say. That one's coming up quick, September 6th through 8th. In Cherokee, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. Hi, Felix Sever, the case of a former member of a Joliet motorcycle club who has been charged with killing his girlfriend has lingered for more than a year and a half. As his attorneys try to gather evidence that they argue may show the woman died by suicide. Jeremy Boshears, 34, has been in the Will County Jail since November 18, 2017 and faces charges of first-degree murder and concealment of a homicide in connection with the death of a 24-year-old bartender, Katie Kearns. Boshears had pled not guilty to the charges. Kearns was reported missing November 14, 2017. She was last seen at Woody's Bar in Joliet Township where she worked. Kearns' body was later found by Will County Sheriff's Office detectives in the back of her 96 Grand Cherokee, which was parked inside a pole barn in Aroma Park Township in Kankakee County, according to the Will County Sheriff's Office. She was killed by a single gunshot wound to her head. Bo Shears, a former member of the Joliet Outlaws Club, was charged with killing her at the Outlaws Clubhouse, which is down the street from Woody's Bar. Yeah, I don't believe that. However, one of his attorneys, Charles Brett, said that Kearns may have taken her own life. On May 30, Will County judge granted a motion from Brett's associate, Neil Patel, to have experts with Larson Forensic and Associates reconstruct the crime scene and review evidence to determine whether her gunshot wound was self-inflicted. Brett said he was waiting on those experts to deliver the reports. He said he expects the case will go to trial. Quote, I expect it to go to trial at some point. At this point, I don't have a realistic handle on when, Brett said. Will County Deputy Chief Dan Jungles has rejected the idea that Kearns died by suicide, saying the sheriff's office investigation was able to prove she was murdered and there was no suicide here. How do you know? 
Jungles questioned how her death could be a suicide if the body had been disposed of in another county and why the crime scene was covered up. It's because nobody in their right mind would do it in a clubhouse. When asked about Boshier's attorney's argument that Kern's death may be a suicide, Will County State's attorney spokesman Carol Cheney referred to the indictment against him. Quote, any response to a particular theory will be made at the appropriate time in court, Cheney said. Attempts to reach Kern's family were unsuccessful. In Patel's motion for the appointment of forensic expert, he argues that records obtained from Silver Cross Hospital and a mental health treatment provider may suggest her death could have been a suicide. Patel's motion argued the records show she went to an emergency room for a laceration on her wrist, that she struggled with high levels of anxiety and depression, that she had a history of self-harm, and that she engaged in reckless behavior. That is huge right there. His motion argued that there were no eyewitnesses that implicated Boshiers as the shooter, no forensics indicating he was the shooter, and that Boshears was recorded telling his wife after being arrested that Kearns died by suicide. His motion said a good faith argument exists that Kearns took her own life either accidentally or purposely. A supporter of the Joliet Outlaws who asked not to be identified said he didn't believe Boshears would kill somebody at the clubhouse. I agree. How stupid do you have to be to kill someone in the clubhouse? That's something you don't do because that brings heat down on the club, he said. I gotta agree right there. I do not see this happening in a clubhouse. Vicky Hopes, the son of a former Hells Angel member who was gunned down outside his Vancouver home, in 2010 is one of the two men recently sentenced for a three-week crime spree two years ago that stretched from Surrey to Abbotsford. Dylan Jewell Stannon, 29, was sentenced July 4th in B.C. Supreme Court and New Westminster, along with co-accused Leonard Rick Travis, 22. The judge's written ruling was not posted online until last week. Both have been in custody since their arrest in March 2017, and each was sentenced to an additional jail term of seven years and five months. Stannon and Travis both previously pled guilty to several offenses, including robbery, using an imitation firearm, assault causing bodily harm, and possession of a restricted firearm. Stadden is the son of Jewel Stadden, who was killed August 12, 2010, at the age of 41. He had been expelled from the Hells Angels earlier that year, according to media reports at the time. Police announced on March 28, uh, 17, that Stadden and Travis had been arrested for a series of commercial robberies and break-ins that occurred between Feb 20 and March 13th of that year throughout the more, uh, lower mainland. They initially faced a total of 22 charges, but seven were later added. Mounties at the time said they had recovered a replica handgun during the pair's arrest. They subsequently searched a storage locker room and found property that had been stolen in several break-ins. 
Police said they also recovered 13 firearms, at least four of which had illegal modifications, including filed-off serial numbers. They also seized cigarettes, vaping supplies, video games, gaming consoles, laptop computers, lottery tickets, and other items. The crime spree involves seven different areas. Coquilum, Burnaby, Surrey, Langley, Port Coquilum, Epsburg, and Mission. In one of the robberies on March 12, 2017 at a hemp store in the port, the pair uh, zap-strapped an employee's hands behind his back and had him lie down on the floor. When the man got into a struggle with Travis, Travis removed an imitation gun from his pocket and hit the man in the head. The employee suffered a concussion and later received staples for his head wound. In a robbery at a convenience store in Stanton, Carden, car, or Stanton carried a hockey stick which he used to strike an employee when she hit him with a stick. The last robbery of the Paris crime spree took place in Abbotsford where they targeted a convenience store in the 32,000 block of Marshall Road. According to court documents, Travis entered the store first wearing a toque and a scarf covering his face. He pulled a fake gun out of his pocket and pointed it at an employee. Stratton then entered the store also with his face covered and carrying a duffel bag. The pair filled the bag with items that included almost 1,500 lottery tickets, 90 packages, of cigarettes, a thousand in cash, and a cash register. <laughs> they fled in a GMC terrain rental vehicle, which police later located that day in Langley, while the pair were each validating lottery tickets at two gas stations that were close together. Three of the guns that turned up in the, sub uh, the search of the storage locker had been stolen from a home in Mission, on March 8, 2017, according to the court documents. In his ruling, Justice James Williams stated that Stanton and Travis were close friends at the time of their offenses and both were in the midst of serious drug addictions. Quote, they went on what could fairly be described as an outrageous crime spree to support those dependencies, Williams said. There is no question that the experiences that the victims went through in the course of those robberies were terrifying. Man, nine news out of Australia. The leader of an Australian outlaw motorcycle gang, Mick Murray, was turned around at the border in Thailand despite his bail conditions allowing him to leave Australia for travel. The Comanchero Bikey Gang president, facing more than 100 fraud charges, had his bail conditions varied by the Melbourne Magistrates Court last Wednesday so he could travel to Thailand and Dubai. Murray flew to Thailand on Thursday night, where he had planned to spend five nights before a 10-day holiday in Dubai. But he arrived back at Melbourne Airport on a Thai Airways flight about noon, on Saturday, after Thai authorities turned him around at the airport in Bangkok. Among other charges, he is accused of having associates falsify a loan application, 
to a car leasing company on his behalf and allegedly owes the Australian Taxation Office $1 million. Although police failed to have the changes to this bail halted, Mick will have to stay put in Australia for the time being, arriving back at Melbourne's airport on Saturday. A spokeswoman for the Victoria Police says that the man had been refused entry into Thailand. This is a matter for the Thai authorities. Now on to some motorcycle rally news. October 23rd through the 27th, the 19th annual Thunder Panama City Beach, Florida. There's going to be a huge rally, the most biker-friendly free rally in the USA, it claims. Again, October 27th or 23rd through the 27th. And then we got the Route 66 Fall Rally. Last big biker party of the year, October 3rd through the 6th in Depew, Oklahoma. Bike and people games, wild contests, live bands, pool bar, vendors swimming, and on-site camping and more. More upcoming Route 66 rallies, children's Halloween party on October 26th. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? Need your daily dose of biker news? Then what are you waiting for? Visit HarleyLiberty.com and keep up to date with all the happenings in the biker scene. And wait! There's more. Insane Throttle Biker News is now on Instagram. Come on over and give us a follow and get special video content not seen elsewhere on the net. Just type in Insane Throttle Biker News in the search bar. In your face all over the place we're online 24 7 24 7 and welcome back consider the harley davidson live wire a turning point oh no for traditional motorcycle makers like harley davidson the first electric motorcycle but it comes chock full of technology outsiders may never expect from the company but the Livewire's technological leaps forward won't remain limited to that single model. The Wisconsin-based company said two major features will be standard or operational for many of its 2020 models. Every 2020 Tri-Glide Ultra CVO and Livewire model will come standard with Harley's HD Connect services, which can be considered an OnStar of sorts for motorcycles. Other models that will see the tech as standard equipment are all 2020 Touring, save for the Road King and Electroglide standard. The HD Connect service will come as one year free trial, which each of the models mentioned, and after that, riders can choose to pay for the subscription. Yeah, they're going to get you. What does HD Connect provide? A whole bunch that should be pretty helpful to motorcyclists. As long as a seller's signal is available, riders can look at vital stats such as the bike's fuel level, battery charge, available range, tire pressure, if tire pressure monitoring systems, TPMS, are installed. Additionally, the current ride mode, odometer, riding stats, and infotainment upgrades are included. For Livewire owners, they can search for nearby charging stations with the service too. 
And just for a little more security, HD Connect includes tamper alerts and stolen motorcycle tracking. The second bundle of tech coming to 2020 Harleys are the Reflex Defensive Rider System. The features provide a safety net for riders to help keep things peachy during each ride. For example, three of the technology enhanced braking control while cornering. Cornering uh, enhanced electronic link braking, anti-lock brakes, and traction control. The latter also includes modes to ensure the best grip should the weather turn from sunny to wet in an instant. While the cornering enhanced anti-lock braking and traction control are derivatives of their standard technologies that make motorcycles lean into count, the cornering uh, braking mode is more advanced. It applies brake pressures to both wheels when the rider uses either the hand lever or foot pedal like regular link braking systems and it also takes motorcycle lean into account. Per Harley, the system will proportion brake pressure while cornering to ensure the rider stays pointed in the direction they intend. Vehicle hold control, which keeps the motorcycle from rolling backward after releasing the brake and tire pressure monitoring systems are also part of the Harley Tech Wave. The RDRS is standard on all CBO and police models while operational on Turin models. Electric Glide standard motorcycles aren't part of the movement. By Kelsey Pittman, Abilene, Texas, KRBC, KTAB. The Brothers of Fortune Motorcycle Club started a community service group called the Fortune Riders. Quote, we want people to see that we can be a law-abiding motorcycle club that cares about your community and actually gets out and does those changes. Be the change you want to see, said Cody Winter, head of the Fortune Riders. Their first project, picking up trash in an empty lot near a retirement community in Sam's Club. Quote, it is just something that allows us to be ourselves but also not lose that aspect of community and family as well, said Heather Cobb, Brothers of Fortune member. This charitable plan is only the beginning. If we are out doing there, uh, out there doing that, then other people can be like, we can do this too. We can be apart from that, and it allows us kind of a lead by example. Cobb said, "On day one, people are already following in their footsteps. We just had a random individual stop, saw us out here, and asked if he could have a couple of bags to go pick up some trash." Said Winter. Adrian Belly and his dad lived near the area deciding to give the 15 minutes they had to help clean. We like Abilene, Texas. We have been here for almost my whole life and I want to help this cause what they are doing, said Adrian. They are going around trying to do one or two events every month as long as they can. To find more information on the group, go to their page. Uh-oh, some Aussie news. A car has been torched in Adelaide. The latest in a string of violent attacks linked to an ongoing feud between rival bikey gangs over a substantial drug debt. The incident comes as police continue their unparalleled action to combat the tit-for-tat violence over recent weeks. 
the Tuesday morning blaze completely destroyed the car parked on the driveway of a home at Suburban Lockies. Detectives have confirmed that it is linked to six other attacks, including shots fired at two homes and the torching of two businesses. In response, police have raided more than 70 properties in recent days and have also searched a number of prison cells. That resulted in 10 people being fined or reported for a range of offenses, including possession of drugs. A 57-year-old man has also been charged with drug trafficking offenses at, wow, Yatella Labor Prison. Detective Superintendent Mark Tremwith said the crackdown was ongoing and aimed to disrupt the operations of the outlaw bikey gangs. Quote, these recent incidences are not random, but each pose a risk to the wider law-abiding community and will not be tolerated, he said. On Friday, Superintendent Tom Osborne described the police operation as unparalleled in recent years. While police have made significant inroads into disrupting the criminal activities of these organized crime groups over recent years, we know that they continue to be prominent in the illicit drug trade, he said. We will continue to investigate and monitor their activities to shut this down. Well, rock on, I guess. Uh, anyway, let's go to some events. We have the Death Valley Crew Bike Night, Saturday, August 24th. That's coming up this weekend. Drinks and music, public welcome, free admission, no drama, no weapons, 3 p.m. to midnight. And this is by the Kazakh One Percenters, 1407 West Tyler Street in Gilmore, Texas. For more info, contact Smoke at 512-783-3372 or Reaper at 318-334-49. Or, yeah, 4959. And that is your biker events that we got today. Don't forget, if you are a motorcycle club, a riding club, or a bait, any of that stuff, send them in. We'll get them on the air, not only here, but also on the radio. So that is this week's biker news, and we'll see you again on Monday. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open.